Hello, and welcome to Chad's ADHD 365 podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Takeda, better health, brighter future. Hi, I'm Susan Booning, and I'm here today with Judy Bass. So we'll be talking today about how you as a parent can help your teen with ADHD prepare for and navigate college. Judy, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes, I'm an educational consultant who assists students with ADHD and other learning differences in finding the right college where they can be successful and become independent learners. Thank you. How can I know if college is the next step after high school for my child? Well, it depends on how independent your child is, not just academically, but socially and emotionally. You need to make sure that all three areas are sufficiently mature before your child is ready. What should we be looking for when we're evaluating colleges in order to find the right fit? That's a really good question. Um, It's very important to visit the disabilities office at the college before deciding if it's the right college and seeing if they have coaches or learning specialists who can help with time management and organization You also want to look to see if they're caring and nurturing, and do they feel like a good place that your child would want to go? You also want to make sure that they can meet your child's specific needs. Accommodations are very broad, and some colleges do a great job, for example, of providing accommodations for dyslexia, but not necessarily for ADHD. So you need to ask those specific questions. With the standardized tests that are required for applying to colleges, how can I help my child and find accommodations that enable them to be successful? One of the good things now is that many colleges have gone test optional. They're not requiring the test scores. And so there's less pressure to take them. However, high schools apply for the SAT. It's very common for the high school counselors to be familiar with how to apply. So you would go to your counselor and say that you were looking for accommodations and request them. On the ACT, however, it is less common. And sometimes you do need to learn about it yourself so that you can help the school apply for the accommodations. When I work with a family, I help walk them through the process so that they are familiar with the info they need to get those accommodations. But keep in mind that the right fit is important. And even if a college is test optional, you still need to look to see what the academic level of that college is because you want your child to be successful once he or she gets there, not just to get in. What strategies can I use to help my teen with writing college application essays and preparing for on campus or virtual interviews? The best way to help with college essays is to seek outside help. Parents are too close to the the subject matter. It's very difficult to be objective. And I think that there are so many resources out there. There are free websites, there are boot camps, there are one-to-one writing coaches. So there's something that everybody can find Uh, that will give you the tools to help with the strategies. In terms of the applications, um, often the schools will be helping students with that. But again, 
if you are familiar with the applications and you want to help that part, you can, but it's also better if you can find some online YouTubes on how to do it or a one-on-one -on -one person, that might be a better choice. What if college is not the best next step for my child after high school? Let's talk about what other options there might be for them. There are plenty of options for students who are not ready for college and for students for which college is not going to be in their future. There are transition programs and gap year programs. Uh, the gap year programs involve internships or travel or work and they are structured. It's very important that the student be in a structured program where they can learn leadership, independence, uh, develop their social skills, whatever they need to be more mature to be ready for college. There are also transition programs that help specifically with executive function, social skill development, general maturity, and independence. Some of these, you can take a college class or two, and some of them do not have college connected to them. And this way, there's something for everyone to take that half step before starting college, just to be sure that they're ready for it. How can I encourage my child to develop self-advocacy? And how important is self-advocacy after high school in college? Great question because self-advocacy needs to start as early as possible. Think about a five-year-old child going to the doctor with her mom. And the doctor asks the child, how are you feeling today? Who generally answers? It's usually the mom. It's just our habit. However, if you allow your child to answer, and you can always supplement, the child feels that her voice is being heard. And that's how you develop self-advocacy, by feeling that your voice is heard. You can also think of an example of a child in a toy store. If your child wants a toy, you can go and ask the clerk and say, why don't you ask the clerk what you're looking for? And that is another form of advocacy. In high school, I would say that students should start attending 504 and IEP meetings in high school and have a voice. Maybe at first the parents model the behavior and then maybe the student is asked to speak up and express what his needs are. Thank you, that's a great answer. I have another question about the kinds of accommodations that are possible in college. Are they different than what my child might have received in high school? And um, if so, how? And how would my child go about getting them as a college student? So when you're looking at accommodations, they do differ between high school and college. In high school, the accommodations are specifically listed in your IEP or 504. Sometimes they come from the school itself and sometimes they come from the neuropsych report that was written. It depends on your school's practice. When you go to college, colleges look at your neuropsych report, your psychoed report, or any professional report, but not the IEP or the 504. The high school IEP and 504 do not transfer to college. So when you're going to college, you want to think about what are some of the accommodations I need 
and why do I need them? And when you go to look at the college, you would start by meeting with the learning specialist or the director of disability services, and you would ask them if they offer certain accommodations that you need. Before you accept an offer, you want to find out, for example, if you need a note taker. Not only do they provide a note taker, but how do they provide a note taker? Is it anonymous or is it you asking a classmate to take notes? It's very important that the accommodation be anonymous. And often what happens is a student in the class volunteers to take notes and no one knows who that student is other than the professor. And the student then either uploads the notes or brings them to the learning center and you and maybe three or four other students in the class pick them up. So you don't know who the note taker is and they don't know who you are. And that's a true accommodation. So it's very important to ask how things are implemented. Getting extended time is another example. By law, colleges need to provide basic accommodations. For example, if you are entitled to extended time, that does not include a distraction-reduced setting. So you want to find out if the college also has a learning center or a location where you can take the test, either in a small group or in a private room. Again, asking specific questions is what gets you the accommodations. Some other accommodations that are in college that you don't think about in high school would be priority registration, where you can register before the other students in your class. And this can help you get a balanced course load, not have too many heavy reading assignments or reading courses in the same semester, having space between your classes, which is something I recommend for students with ADHD. It seems counterintuitive, but you would want to have at least two or three hours between classes um, to be able to focus on each class. And then the middle becomes more of the school day and creates more structure for the student. Other than that, Foreign language substitution is another example of an accommodation that must be written into your neuropsych report, but that is one that you can get. Um, Sometimes they offer late class starts. That's something you can ask about. And that way, if you are not an early morning riser and you really have difficulty in the mornings, you can start at 10 o'clock in the morning for a class. So those are just some examples. Well, let's back up just a little bit to the question about standardized tests. What sorts of accommodations might there be available if my son or daughter is required to take those standardized tests or any other kind of testing in order to attend a college of their choice? When you're looking at accommodations, you want to see, you can look online to see what's offered for the SAT under College Board and for the ACT under ACT.org. If you have an accommodation in your IEP or 504, that accommodation should be allowed for either test. So what I recommend is looking at that, going in to talk to the counselor and requesting those accommodations. Most students will be asking for extended time time and a half, maybe double time. On the SAT, if you are requesting 50% extra time, it's all in one day, which is a six hour test. 
if you request and receive 100% extended time, it's over two days, which is three hours approximately each day. For the ACT, there is another accommodation that is called multiple day testing. For students with ADHD, this is one of the best accommodations. You have a two week window in which to take four sections of the test, English, math, reading, and science. If you're a time and a half, the longest you sit is 90 minutes for the math section. And you can take them every other day, you can take breaks, and you're taking it in your home school. This is very important though, that the words breaking up a test or breaking up a test over several days or not testing for more than two hours at a time needs to be written into the IEP or 504. That is very important in order to get this accommodation. Um, oftentimes, people don't think about that because they're not thinking about these tests. But if you have final exams, for example, that are two hours each, your school is not going to make you sit for five hours if you get two and a half hours and two and a half hours. They're going to move one of those tests. That's what you can explain as far as the ACT goes. That's the same thing. I can't sit for a six hour test, but I can sit for a two hour test. And so that's a really important accommodation. Another one is answering on the test booklet and not bubbling in on the Scantron for tracking. Uh, there are accommodations for audio readers. So if you do have a reader, that's important. There are accommodations for large print. Sometimes having dyslexia, you need more white space. And if you have ADHD and dyslexia and your eyes get you know, wandering around the page, having white space can be helpful. And generally, there are accommodations for small group testing, which typically happens in, a home, in the home school. It can also happen at national standardized testing. So those would be some of the accommodations. Um, what I would say is students should not stress over these tests. Yes, it is important to do some test prep, but the test prep should be maybe four or five sessions just to familiarize yourself with this process and with the structure and with some strategies of the test. But if the students don't know the material, it's not that important to focus on the material for the test, it's more important to focus on schoolwork and getting good grades. These tests are part of the application process, but they are not the only factor and they should be downplayed for students who have that serious anxiety about test taking. They're not going to make or break their college admissions. It's just one factor. What if my child has ADHD, but does not have an IEP? and does not have a 504 plan in their high school years and has been able to function through school and do pretty well with the kinds of supports that he or she has at home and you know with informally requesting certain accommodations from teachers now my child is going to college and I do not know how this is all going to translate in a college environment. What kinds of supports might still be available for my child and what should I be paying attention to 
as we're looking at this transition from high school without any accommodations and entering college? That's an excellent question. And first, let me um, add in something you had asked before about the right fit. It's very important when you have a, a student with ADHD to make sure that the type of learning environment itself is the right one. So for example, students with ADHD do really well in small interactive classes where there's discussion going on and it's active learning and they can develop relationships with their professors because that's what holds them accountable and that's what leads to success. At home, you often have a parent, a tutor or a teacher providing some of that. And when you get to college, it's all stripped away. All that scaffolding is gone. So if you have been providing a lot of that structure, your child will need some support. So there are a couple of things that can be done. One is get some psychoed testing over the summer before going to college. As I said earlier, that is what colleges look at. You can say that I've been getting informal accommodations, but I decided to get the testing because I know I have ADHD and I know you require this in order to get accommodations. And then you will have no issue getting accommodations. One thing about colleges, they are not looking to limit the number of accommodations. They are welcoming the accommodations to help you be successful. In a college that really cares about helping students with learning differences in ADHD, they're going to do everything they can to help you succeed your freshman year because their retention rate is part of their reputation. If students cannot make it through the first year, those numbers are posted and that college's reputation is not very strong. So if you are going to a college that you have a learning specialist who wants to help you, they truly do. And the professors will also. So what that means is if you don't have testing, there are still academic resource centers. There are tutors. There are often coaches on campus, executive function coaches that either you can pay a fee for the semester or that are free. They might be graduate students, but you really want to set your child up ahead of time with a coach that he or she meets with weekly for the first semester. I always tell students just commit to the first semester. After that, if you feel like you don't need it, fine. But 99% of the time, they see the benefit at that point. And it's very easy to fall behind early without that structure in place. Keep in mind that at home in high school, students are structured seven hours a day from period one to period eight through school. When they get to college, they're only in class maybe three hours a day. The rest of their day is completely unstructured. And if you know an ADHD student, you know how challenging that can be. So I recommend that they create a calendar and structure their day, including meeting with that coach so that they know what they should be doing, including their free time. They know what they should be doing every minute of the day and they build in study time. And a coach can help them stay on track. If they fall off track, it's very hard to get back up. It's not as easy as high school. In high school, you sometimes have the end of the marking period coming. You can hand in all your work. You cannot do that in college. So falling behind becomes so overwhelming that they just can't manage to keep up. Is there anything that I haven't asked you about that you'd like to tell the parents who are listening? I would say that 
it's very important to visit colleges for your child to have that concrete experience. You don't have to visit every college, but they need to step foot on campus, even if they don't feel like they're ready to go, because sometimes the spark of being on campus and seeing something they like causes that light bulb to go on and suddenly they have a motivation to do well in school and to focus because they wanna go to this college and now they see why they need to do well. And sometimes that makes a huge difference. Other than that, it also gives them the experience of what it's like to be on a college campus and they might need that whole year to adjust to the idea that they will be a college student the next year. Thank you very much. This is very helpful. This podcast was sponsored by Takeda. Better health, brighter future. Thank you for listening to another episode of Chad's ADHD 365 podcast.